Okay, well, good morning, everybody. Okay, we're going to have a great time today. My name is Sandy Carter, and I'm Amazon's Vice President for Enterprise Workloads. And we're going to be talking about several new announcements for Windows, VMware, SAP. We're going to link it all back into enterprise integration. Now, you know, the other night, I was walking along the strip. And as I was walking, I saw this lantern. And a friend of mine reached down, and he picked it up. And he rubbed it, and out popped a genie. Now, this is a true story. And the genie said to him, you know what? Today is your lucky day. Because today, you get three wishes. However, whatever you wish for, your evil arch enemy gets double. So my friend said, okay, I'll, I'll take that. So he wished for a red Tesla, because who doesn't want a red Tesla? So he got one, but poof, his evil arch enemy got two. Then he wished for a beautiful house in sunny California, because you know it rains a lot in Seattle. Poof, his evil arch enemy got two houses in California. So for his last wish, he said, Jeannie, scare me half to death. <laughs> so why did I share that with you? I'm not going to scare you to death. I did want to test your math skills, but I do have three wishes for you. And those three wishes are first that you learn about all the new announcements that we're going to make today around services, features, and offerings. Second, I'm also going to talk to you about best practices. And finally, you're going to see it in action. We have amazing customers. I have four customers that are going to do little mini TED Talks for you. We have Hess that will come up on stage, Just Eat, Pitney Bowes, and J&J. &J, and you're going to learn from them. Now, if I had to have my fourth wish, you'll see at the bottom right-hand corner of the slide, there is a Twitter handle. Um, we may or may not get to all the questions, so I'd like you guys to tweet me comments and questions as we go along, if you tweet, so that we can keep together. Okay, so let's get started with some momentum. Now, you may or may not know this, but Windows for the enterprise on AWS has been growing significantly. In fact, over the last three years, just enterprise clients, so this is not startups and mid-market, these are enterprise clients, have grown 400%. And that's primarily driven by us having the broadest and most robust platform on AWS. The real robust security that we have. I don't know if you know this, we have 25% more certifications than Azure does in security. And believe it or not, we have been running Windows in the cloud longer than anybody else. We've been doing that since 2008. Now our growth on Windows isn't the only thing that's impressive. We've also had impressive growth with SAP. So for the last three years, we had 45% compounded growth rate for SAP workloads, which is very significant. And in fact, a lot of the workloads have been massive HANA databases. So if you look at Uniqlo, Uniqlo has their fast retailing uh, solution that they've been working on. And one of the things that, one of the reasons that they chose us was first because of our memory-optimized instances that makes it faster and easier to run SAP. Secondly, we've recently done some integration with load balancing and EBS with EC2. That makes it easier to do the management. And of course, we've got the global structure as well, which was important for Uniqlo, who's selling now like wildfire in the US and beyond. But if you think about all these examples, these are all about innovation. So I want to link us back to innovation for a little bit and combine the tech with the innovation. 
So there was a study done of CEOs, and 93% of CEOs said that their growth was going to depend upon innovation. Now, this is really exciting, right? Because innovation is what feeds a lot of, a lot of our desires and, and visions. But those same CEOs said that they believe that 81% of them said that their organizations did not know how to innovate. And so what I wanted to do today is to share with you how you can use the tech to innovate, to showcase to your leadership how you can innovate even faster. Now, when we talk about innovation, um, we're talking about more than just product innovation. So I'm also an adjunct professor at Carnegie Mellon Silicon Valley. I teach in the Masters of Software Engineering practice there. And we did a big research project on innovation. And we found like the fastest innovating companies, those that are top of Forbes and Fortune, they don't just innovate around product. They actually innovate around everything. So they innovate around operational excellence. You'll hear from Hess today how they're doing innovation there. They innovate around client experience. You'll hear from Just Eat and how they're innovating around client experience. And they innovate around the business model. You'll hear, as well, Pitney Bowes talk a little bit about that business model innovation. And J&J &J covers a lot of these areas as well. So the great thing is that you're going to innovate around all four of these areas. Now, the other interesting thing from that survey we did with Carnegie Mellon was that we found that the fastest-growing enterprises that are innovating today, 90% of them have a tech strategy, a business strategy, and an innovation strategy, and they're all linked together. But those who are not innovating, only 20% of them have an innovation strategy. And of those 20%, half of them don't link it back to the business strategy. And so today, uh, at the end of the session, we're going to give away a digital innovation workshop. It's brand new that we're uh, talking about and announcing. And this digital innovation workshop actually helps technologists pair with business leaders to work backwards from the company from the customer, sorry, from the customer. Very similar to what you see happening at Amazon using many of those best practices. Um, it's an amazing workshop. We had one customer who's gone through it five times, innovating on different projects as they go through. Now, if you think about all of this innovation, we're really um, going to really have a great overview from a very dear friend and a great guy, Dave Williams, who's the CIO of Just Eat. He's going to come and talk to you and give you a preview of how he is innovating, both with Windows as well as AI and beyond. So please welcome to the stage Dave Williams. Thank you, Dave. Thanks, Sandy. Good morning. Uh, as Sandy says, I'm Dave Williams. I'm the CIO of Just Eat. Uh, we're a leading global online marketplace for food delivery. Our vision is to create the world's greatest food community, and we do that by connecting uh, almost 80,000 small businesses, restaurant owners, with 20 million hungry customers. We operate in 13 markets. Uh, we're number one in all of them, I'm pleased to say. And each weekend, we connect somewhere in the region of 2 million customers with those restaurants to help them find their flavor. Our core Just Eat platform, which enables us to serve all of those hungry customers, runs on Windows, on EC2 using SQL Server. Uh, we've heavily invested uh, in the ecosystem since migrating to EC2. Uh, we've adopted microservices. Uh, we've built a code deploy enabled pipeline that goes everywhere from baking our custom AMIs 
uh, through to phased and full deployments, uh, including one-click rollbacks, which I hope we never have to use, but they're there if we do. And that greatly increases our operational visibility. We're a .NET house, and this approach, is particularly around microservices, enables us to deploy somewhere in the region of 2,500 releases a month. And we're particularly proud uh, to be a launch partner for Amazon with Alexa in the UK in September 2016. It's been absolutely fascinating watching thousands of customers ordering their meals via Alexa. And even more surprising, 10 times as many customers using this, our skill to check the status of their, their delivery to find out when their food's going to arrive. And we make frequent updates to our Alexa skill on a monthly basis so that we've evolved to the point of having a skill that's much more fully featured than anyone else in the market. And with our EC2 microservices architecture, adding new channels is super quick and easy. So from uh, Fire TV to Xbox One, uh, we're a fully cross-channel platform. So you can order your meal on iOS, check the status on your Xbox, and then review your order via Alexa or without having to leave your favorite gaming chair. And I'm thrilled to say we've just partnered with Amazon for the UK release of uh, the Echo Show. So we've now got a skill that looks as good as it sounds. As a trading platform, we only make money when we're trading. That's uh, you know, when we're serving our customers. So we aim for 360 degree operational visibility of our platform. We ship almost 2 million metrics a minute from over 1,500 EC2 instances. But being on Windows doesn't mean we're not advocates of the open source community. We're really keen that our engineers participate. Um, and we lead projects such as our Just Saying library, which is about subscribing and publishing to SNS and SQS. And all of those activities are published on our public GitHub. You know, we really feel that participating in those communities helps us to drive that innovation that we prize so much. And as a leading player in this market with over 15 years experience, we've got more data about takeaway delivery than anyone else in the world. In the UK alone, we've delivered more, well more than 300 million takeaway orders. So our data science team is using that data constantly to improve the Just Eat platform. Everything from optimizing delivery estimates on the basis of weather uh, through to creating chatbots that help our customers, uh, allow our customers to order, through to improving the way we do dish and uh, restaurant recommendations for our customers in order to help them try new things. And it's that combination of architecture, ecosystem, and the data, all powered by Windows on EC2, which is helping us build the world's greatest food community. Thank you. Thanks, Dave. So they're just a 5.5 billion small startup, you know, doing all this really cool stuff. So when you listen to Dave, you listen to him uh, talk about really three major things. He talked about how fast they're innovating um, in the marketplace today and how they're doing that with things like hackathons, for instance. You heard him using super intelligence like AI to really drive a lot of his business with Alexa. And then the synergy where he is leveraging partners as he's moving forward and building that ecosystem up. Well, these are three of the top things that we see from innovative companies. And in fact, as we're looking at that enterprise transformation, 
Um, many customers have asked us, you know, what does it look like moving as an enterprise to the cloud? So we went and did some research. We've looked at thousands of companies, and we found that a typical path to being cloud native, to retiring that technical death, looked like these four steps. It first starts off with new applications. So I want to talk to you a little bit about that, if I could. So as we move to a more automated environment and more granular services, we really need to rethink our approach to application development and deployment. So if you look at this model here on the top, it really provides a view, more monolithic, right, for application development and deployment. And we're seeing this a lot in the wild for the enterprise. We're seeing teams take an entire environment, package it up, um, one representation of the product, and then using some semi-automation and some manual processes, deploy that into a pre-configured environment. And really what we're looking to strive for is this notion of a fully automated delivery and development pipeline that you can build and deploy individual services to different environments and infrastructures that are completely configured by code. And so I am really excited to announce today, this is the first session that's seeing this, .NET Core 2.0 support for Lambda and for CodeBuild. Now, many of you probably know we had supported um, .NET Core 1.0, and our 2.0 now packs a number of features, such as Razor pages, better compatibility with the .NET framework, more than double of APIs compared to our previous version, and much, much more. So today's announcement, you'll be able to take advantage of these latest .NET Core features on Lambda and CodeBuild for building modern serverless and DevOps-centric solutions. So we're really excited about this. Now, we have a lot of customers developing and building with .NET, and that's a lot because customers want a choice of what they're gonna build on. So this is Scotia Gas Networks. I actually just met with them right before this session. So they are the gas distribution network for 5.9 million homes in Scotland and in Lower England. And what they really are looking for is they wanted to adhere to a lot of the new regulations coming up. I don't know if you guys have heard about GDPR, for instance, that everybody has to adhere to by May 2018. So what they did was they leveraged our managed services area to build a set of compliant applications. They built their first set provisioned those in two weeks, and then they did their second stack in another two weeks, and now they have all 200 applications that are provisioned from 15 standardized infrastructures. And the tools that managed services is using are around our first-class citizen tools for developing and deploying in Windows. So if you think about developer tools that you can build new application with, you want to be able to pick the language that you know. Uh, you don't really want to have to learn a new language. So AWS is the most popular cloud for developers, we know that, but these two announcements I think are really important. So the first is support for publishing .NET apps to ECS from Visual Studio. So this allows you to develop and debug and deploy Docker images to Amazon ECS directly from Visual Studio Toolkit. 
Our second announcement that is really interesting is Windows containers in ECS as well. So both of these announcements were made earlier, but I wanted to share them with you because as you're developing new apps and using some of the tools that you know, these are really powerful announcements as you move forward. Now our second area of that transformation is really around building the foundation. And what that typically means is leveraging and using both on-prem and off-prem, so the cloud. Leveraging this new hybrid infrastructure, if you would. And so it's gonna be really important as you look at that hybrid infrastructure that you can expand some of these enterprise capabilities while maintaining some of your existing um, management tools. Now I wanted to have um, a great customer, J&J, &J, Parag Karnak is going to come up and talk about hybrid cloud. He is really an expert here because you can see he's the senior director of hybrid cloud. So without further ado, I'd love for Parag to come up and give us a few thoughts. Thank you. You guys hear me okay? Hi, it's a hybrid cloud. So let me talk a little bit about and our journey and why hybrid cloud is so important for us. So. How about this? Better? Okay. All right. So, Johnson and Johnson, right? Think about it, right? Can you hear me now? No. Can you hear me now? Yes. All right. So let me do this again. So Johnson & Johnson. Um, to give you our journey of hybrid cloud, let me talk a little bit about our landscape. So band-aids right from your kids to your grandma's hip replacements or knee replacements to your mom's using wrinkle-free creams or you guys going on the beach and using Neutrogena products and anything else, right? So we are arranged across 257 independently operating companies. We are across 170 countries and we support 35 different languages. So we touch 1 billion people every single day, right? Now, all of this ecosystem is supported by 15,000 plus applications across the world. We have 134,000 plus employees of Johnson & Johnson and in extended contractors in additional thousands of numbers that we uh, work with them. So given this, think about what Sandy just talked about in terms of Visual Studio and other things that empower the developers. Think about the non-production environments that we're going to need for our developers, our engineers, to manage, enhance, transform these applications to support all of these countries. So hybrid cloud comes in picture for us to be, used, to be able to use these innovations within AWS, and that's where VMware Cloud on AWS is a critical strategy for us. So we have both on-prem as well as public cloud um, deployments, and we're really talking about all of these thousands of workloads across the globe. So all of these environments, and our strategy being each developer from the get check-ins and check-outs, they should be able to create an environment at their disposal. That's really where AWS is powerful. So just any and all applications, no matter where you are, we'll, we are able to create these development environments so you can really get to the blue-green deployments 
And Johnson & Johnson is a transformation journey to become a healthcare technology company, not just a life sciences healthcare company, a healthcare technology company. And this is what AWS empowers us to do. The other thing I wanted to highlight is uh, we have, since 1900, when we started, we have not deleted anything. So our strategy is really about these centuries worth of data, and that's where the flexibility of the hybrid cloud comes in picture. So we can manage the data as we need in terms of where it goes, how it's being used. And to give you an example, medical devices, surgical instruments, think about an operation. These surgical devices get manufactured across the globe, across different countries. But to get that surgical, get, uh, surgical kit into the operation theater, think about the logistics, supply chain, warehouse, ERPs, financial systems, country laws, tax laws, everything that goes in picture. This is where cloud gives us the view of the enterprise level data across the globe, no matter where you're sitting. And that's where we are able to manage our workloads to move in and out at pace, at scale, at any given time. And this is really where our customer experience, our credo, which is really our guiding principles, are founded on to provide the best possible service to our customers, to our patients, to our physicians, and everybody else. And this is why the healthcare technology company is transforming us to touch one billion people in a positive manner. Thank you. Okay. So I think it's uh, really interesting. Um, Parag talked about really three use cases for hybrid cloud. So one of the ones he talked about was that maintain and expand, where you're looking at things like business continuity and even disaster recovery, um, which we just announced. I don't know if you saw the announcement with VMware Cloud on AWS on Tuesday. We just announced a disaster recovery service. The second use case he talked about was this overall consolidation and migration path. So how do you migrate? How do you, how do you consolidate your data centers? And then the third area that he talked about, and that's where the twinkle really came in his eye, is around this workload flexibility. When can you really put this into production mode and scare it, scale it up with burst capability and capacity? So if you look at some of the announcements that we just made on VMware Cloud on AWS, I think there's very significant announcements that were made here on Tuesday. Um, the first is disaster recovery as a service to enable us to expand and simplify it. Plus, it's our number one use case that we saw from VMworld. Um, the second big one is that we expanded regions. So we were in the west, and now we're also in the east. Uh, we also, the one I'm most excited about, is we expanded the scale, and we're now, we've now tested with Oracle Rack and SQL. So we've got that production scale testing in place. And then I know everybody loves vMotion, so we now have that live migration um, a focus with both um, vMotion as well as our own Direct Connect as well. So this, I think, is a very powerful announcement in this area. So our third area is around best practices, and I think that this is really um, interesting as well because everybody loves best practices. Now, my daughters and I do Pancake Sunday every Sunday. So one day they found this picture off of Pinterest, and they said, Mom, could you make me pancakes that look like this? Looks pretty easy, right? So I tried it based on the best practice, <laughs> and this is what my pancakes look like. 
So when we designed our best practices, I didn't want you to have to go through the same pain that I went through on my pancake. We wanted to be really deep so that you guys could apply those best practices and really use them. And so I talked to about 100 different partners and customers and said, what kind of best practices are you looking for? Um, you guys told me that you were looking for best practices by industry. So how could we do things for financial services or healthcare? You told me you were looking for best practices by persona, like developer, for instance. And you were looking for horizontal best practices, for instance, security. And so what we've tried to do is deliver to you some of these best practices. So I'm just going to share a few. I can't go through all the industries, because obviously we don't have enough time. But let me just take a moment to share some of these with you. So one is uh, best practice for media and entertainment. If you think about rendering, all those special effects that occur, there's a lot of best practices that go into that. We actually bought a company called Thinkbox that has a product deadline. So if you're doing any streaming video or rendering uh, in a movie production, we've packaged up all those best practices and we've codified them. This makes those best practices so easy to access. You may not have heard of Buddha Jones, but Buddha Jones just did rendering on one of my favorite movies, Wonder Woman. Did you guys see Wonder Woman? Yeah? So they actually leveraged these best practices and they got the rendering down from 1,000 days to four days by leveraging the best practices that exist in this particular offering, which runs on Windows on AWS. Now, if you look at customers like Philips, for instance, um, Philips is in the healthcare space and they're reinventing healthcare for billions and billions of people. And what they need to do is provide confidential patient data that's stored and, and analyzed, but done that in a secure fashion. So what they were able to do is to build the secure, HIPAA-compliant, scalable platform on AWS. And what we've been doing is working with them as well as partners to package up some of these best practices. So if you look at the spectrum of healthcare, you know, you can think about healthcare especially around innovation, kind of starting with this basic area of HIPAA compliance that has to go through everything. And then leading out to some of the more mainstream areas of telemedicine using IoT or using AI to do some of that predictive capability and assisted diagnostics. So we're gonna do best practices around the spectrum and we wanna announce first today that we are launching a HIPAA best practice white paper to help you guys, if you're in the healthcare space or you need that, to uh, leverage that. And we're also uh, releasing a white paper called Architecting for HIPAA as well. Now, if you continue on, I know that many of you guys have been looking for best practices for developers as well. How many of you guys have played with LightSail? Anybody? Oh, just a few. So LightSail really packages up best practices for developers. And we just released light sale for Windows. So now you can launch instances with a click, like um, RDS, for instance, Remote Desktop Protocol. This is a great way if you want to train people up and teach them what AWS is, especially Windows on AWS. This is a set of best practices that have been packaged for your use case, for sure. Now, one of the areas that we really, really are focused on for best practices is migration. And there's really no better person to talk about migration uh, than Bill Roth from Hess, because I think they've migrated like everything. So I'd like to welcome to the stage uh, Bill Roth, who is the Vice President of Enterprise. Thank you. Thank you, 
Thank you very much. Yep, the clicker's right there. Great. So if you're not familiar with HESS, this is, this is what we do. We are a, um, a global oil and gas company based out of Houston, and we explore and produce hydrocarbons in, in many assets around the world. We're, we're the largest landholder in North Dakota, operating in the, sh in the shale play. We've got operations in uh, West, West Africa, Southeast Asia, South America, and, and the Gulf of Mexico. But to, to understand our Windows migration story, you have to back up a few years. And, and back in 2013, we were what's known as an integrated oil and gas company. We had refineries that we operated. We had pipelines and storage terminals and trucks, and we sold power and gas and oil products to large commercial buildings. And we had 1,500 branded Hess gas stations up and down the East Coast. And many of you may have seen them growing up and bought little Hess toy trucks around the holiday time, uh, which we actually still sell online if you want to get a Hess toy truck. But we decided to sell those businesses. So the challenge for Hess was how do we take 80 years worth of IT infrastructure that's built into one big company and carve it out to sell it to uh, potential buyers. And, and my team came up with a very innovative strategy to use the Amazon cloud as a way to move and migrate Windows workloads so that we could transfer them to a, a company that was buying our divested assets. We had no skill in Amazon. We had no tools. We just had a few really smart people and a whole lot of passion and a prize to get it done quickly because um, public record will show there was a $3 billion check waiting for Hess the minute we gave the buyer these, these, uh, these assets, these IT assets. So, so we started moving applications. First divestiture was our marketing business, moved 170 applications, and it took us about six months. Just one application at a time, pick it up and move it. And we got really smart when we got to the end of the journey on how to do this. So turn that over to that buyer. And then 2014, we sold 1,500 retail gas stations to, to Marathon. They now operate on the Speedway brand. And we were a lot better at Windows migration because we're now we're doing it for the second time. So that migration was about um, 90 applications. It says 90 instances, a little more like 200 instances. And we moved all those applications in, in less than three months. And we moved everything. We moved Exchange, SharePoint, Documentum, Hyperion, Oracle, SQL. If you run it in a big enterprise, we ran it and we moved it to the cloud. Um, I've said before, and I'll say again, I've never met a Windows workload that doesn't go. Sometimes it goes kicking and screaming, but with, with the right engineers, you can get through it. So then we brought that expertise back to Hess to the core business, and now we're moving all of our uh, enterprise workloads, uh, most of them running on Windows, to the cloud. And um, about a thousand instances, mostly, mostly Windows, some Linux, but you'll see on the screen anything big companies run, including SAP and SAP HANA, are gonna move to, uh, to AWS. So where do we go from here? Um, for us, now that I've moved Windows workloads three times, I've got a pretty good idea how to do it. And more importantly, we have some strategies on how to optimize. So we're starting to use serverless, we're starting to automate our build process, we're starting to uh, move to Aurora, and what we've seen is just optimization for the core Hess business uh, going forward that we learned as part of our, our, our journey to, to, to divest the downstream, but now it's paying value for the upstream. So that's, that's our story on, uh, on Windows migration, and i um, happy to you know, tell anybody more, reach out to me, and I'll tell you anything I know. Thanks. Hess has uh, migrated everything over and done such a phenomenal job. 
So um, we get asked this question a lot about migration, and Hess obviously has this phenomenal story. But we have this AWS migration hub. I don't know how many of you heard about it. But it's a single location that you can track the progress of your application migration across AWS and any partner solutions that you have. So you can choose IBM, Oracle, uh, SAP, SQL Server, whatever you need to migrate. We'll provide that visibility that you need into the status of your migration across that portfolio of applications. Now, to even make it easier to migrate, I am really excited. First of all, because my team just finished this this morning, so I was really thrilled with that. Uh, but we are now launching for the first time our um, Hyper-V VM migration. Now, we announced uh, AWS server migration service last year to help customers easily migrate their on-premises workloads to AWS. Uh, SMS, or server migration, allows you to automate, schedule, and track those implement incremental uh, replications of live server volumes. And it makes it much easier for you to coordinate live-scale server migrations. But up to now, you could only do that with VMware-based workloads using SMS. So today, we're extending that and extending the SMS, SMS support to include migration of standalone or system-centered-based Hyper-V migrations. I think this is a really big deal. We're really excited about it. And like I said, the team just, uh, just finished this up this morning so that we could announce it here today uh, for you. Now, the other thing, I don't know how many of you guys have heard about Rethink. Can you raise your hand if you guys have heard about Rethink? Okay, so just a couple of you. Um, so Rethink is a program that's really designed to help you through a lot of these migrations. If you want to migrate or build a really significant Windows Server or SQL or .NET workload on AWS, this is a great program because what it enables you to do is to um, be able to fund while you're paying for on-prem, that movement to the cloud. 15% of the annual run rate of your workload, so 15%, can now be offered as a credit. And your annual run rate should be reached within 24 months. So this is, this is something that you really need to, to look at. If you're interested in doing this, you need to contact either um, a partner that you work with, your sales rep, if you don't have either one of those, or you don't know who those are, then please just reach out to myself or others to, uh, to, to work through this as well. It's a great program to give you that time to get that migration done. Now, Microsoft licensing on AWS. We get a lot of questions about Microsoft licensing. So if you look at the licensing, there are a couple of different options and ways that you can go. So one is license included instances from AWS. And when you do that, you get you get and you're enabled with um, access to fully compliant Windows instances. But you can also do bring your own license. And if you bring your own license, if you have software assurance, you can use dedicated options as you're moving forward. If you have software assurance, we can offer default tenancy. Now, if, uh, if you think about it, this is, I think, an interesting way to go forward. Dell Tech, for instance, achieve their SOC 1 and SOC 2 compliance. They saved 15% on their SQL licensing by using EC2 dedicated hosts as they move forward. 
Now, this is another, uh, I think, great announcement that we're making today, um, right here, right now, which is license optimization for bring your own licenses. So if you're using um, software licensed by the number of vCPUs, then you want the ability to further tweak that vCPU count to optimize your license spend. So today we're excited to announce that you can optimize that CPU capability for EC2 that gives you greater control over those EC2 instances on two fronts. So first, you can either specify a custom number of vCPUs when you're launching, let's say, a new instance to save on that vCPU-based licensing cost. Or second, you can disable hyper-threading for those workloads that that's appropriate for. This is a great way to optimize your spend as you're moving forward for this licensing area. And um, one more significant announcement around this particular area, and this is uh, support. So we get a lot of questions about support, and we know that when you innovate, if you're moving Microsoft workloads over, it's really important that you get the right level of support. So we're also announcing here today in this session that AWS has signed an extended support agreement with Microsoft. And what this does is it empowers our AWS support engineers to escalate directly to Microsoft support on behalf of you as a customer. And our own support engineers now gain access to Microsoft's complete knowledge database. So you can feel safe and secure that you're gonna get the same level of support that you get directly from the vendor themselves. Okay, so let's go into that last area where a lot of people get really excited, which is about this whole area of reinventing yourself and how you do that in that area of innovation. So a lot of times what we're gonna talk about is we're really focused on how we help you leverage these legacy workloads with some of this new technology like AI, like IoT. So you heard from Just Eat, right? He's leveraging Windows, but he's also leveraging AI. So he's able to take some of these legacy workloads and combine them together. Same thing is true for um, M4. If you look at M4, M4 leverages EC2 instances on SQL Server, but they've also developed these micro vertical industries, which they call cloud suites. But each of those are powered, underpinning that, by Amazon Lex and Amazon recognition for AI. So they each leverage artificial intelligence in the Windows environment on AWS. So we are really excited to announce today, you heard Andy talk about support for machine learning and making that accessible to everyone. Well, we also wanna make that accessible if you're using Windows on AWS. So today we're announcing the AWS Deep Learning AMI for Windows. Now this enables our Windows developers to get started more quickly, more easily, and to leverage these machine-based learning tools. Um, so this will help you, for instance, you remember when Andy talked about these popular deep learning frameworks like Apache MXNet or Coffee or TensorFlow? So now you can have those pre-installed and leverage those with your Windows workloads as well. So we're really excited to combine this part into uh, the overall equation as well. Now, the, um, the other area that we're working on is we're trying to also help you innovate in some of the new areas of AI, too. 
So everybody's heard about bots, right? So bots are really hot. Bots are a segment of artificial intelligence. Bots use conversational language and they help you to do things like customer service, that sort of thing. Um, the most popular bot out there today is called Masuku. Has anybody ever used or leveraged Masuku? So Masuku is rated number one bot in the world. So if you haven't played with Masuku, you should go out there and do it. Uh, it's really built for kids, so I help my daughter with her math through leveraging Masuku. But we are going to help you build a bot with .NET. So we have now made it easy for you to create a chat bot with .NET on AWS GitHub. We've got some sample code and some sample programs that you're able to use. There is a chat, a chat bot template that you can leverage to get off to a real successful start. Um, and there's a whole set of comprehensive tools just for our Windows developers that you can use and leverage from single page web apps to sophisticated enterprise apps as well that you can use to develop these really interesting .NET apps. Now I also want to talk to you about leveraging IoT uh, from Windows as well. So um, there's going to be about 31 billion IoT devices by 2020. And we want to make sure that if you're using Windows or SAP or other functions that you can leverage those as well. We want to leverage those for developing new applications. So I don't know if you can see, can you guys see my ring up here? See that ring? I don't know if you can see it. Uh, this ring was developed by 360 Fashion. Uh, it has a sensor in the ring. And not only is it pretty, right, when you say it's pretty? Not only is it pretty, but it also serves a function. So if any of you guys try to attack me after the session, I can actually hold it down like this for a while, and I will send an SMS text of emergency to the police or to someone that can come and rescue me from you. Um, I can also be rescued in cocktail parties if someone starts talking about clam dip. I can press my ring and have my husband come over and gently escort me away. So these types of IoT devices are going to be used and leveraged more and more using AWS Cloud as the back end, but leveraging these types of technology to drive forward. Now, to, to talk about a business application, this is a fun application, of course, but we also have enterprises that are doing this in really fun fashions, too. So what I'd like to do is bring up to the stage Olga Lagunina from Pitney Bowes, and she is the Chief Data and Analytics Officer, and she's going to tell us a little bit about how Pitney uses IoT with what they're working on as well. So, Olga, Thank you. welcome. Thank you. So let me tell you a little bit about Pitney Bowes. Pitney Bowes is one of those iconic U.S. companies. It has its um, history in um, manufacturing of mailing equipment. Even today, Pitney Bowes is, if you, can, if you look at all mails that we touch and process, we, and we do about 15 billion uh, only in, in US um, in, in a year, we are probably the, we are the fourth uh, post office just, just based on the number of uh, mails that we process. If you go to Smithsonian, you, 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 will, you will see history uh, of uh, postal service and, and Pitney Bowes will be there. But today, Pitney Bowes is a very different company. Pitney Bowes is a global technology company. We have a lot of assets in, in, in our portfolio that go be, you know, way beyond mailing. We, uh, we help uh, 500 retailers to be successful in shipping and selling 
domestically and, and, and shipping domestically and internationally. We have fantastic portfolio of our location intelligence and, and customer information management products that we work with the companies like Facebook and Twitter. And it's, 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 it's all fascinating. Um, so, but it's also a company that is in the midst of uh, digital transformation and, and, and reinventing ourselves. And when we embarked on this journey about uh, four years ago, we realized a couple of things. We realized that we have to be very bold, very fast, very innovative, and, and, and also very agile. And we also realized that if we look at uh, our people, we want, uh, we want our folks to spend every minute of their time thinking about our customers and delivering value to our customers and not getting buried in, in, in the heavy lifting that is not, is not actually going to add anything to, to our customers, so, or is not going to be our competitive differentiator. So one thing that we realized we need, we needed cloud, right? We, we were made the smartest decision uh, about three years ago that AWS is going to be our cloud platform. And um, we made another decision saying, okay, we are going to build only things that AWS doesn't give, it, give us. So um, we are cloud first. We are very much um, AWS um, taking full advantage of AWS. So we knew that AWS is going to move us forward, helping us to accelerate our, use, our strategy, technical strategy of cloud, IoT, and most importantly, data and analytics company. Pitney Bowes is very much a data and analytics company as well. So today, uh, we have about 35 products, um, large products running on AWS. It's a combination of completely new products that we have created during the last three years, and it's a really fascinating story how fast you can move if you, if you, embrace, if you embrace AWS and cloud technology. It's also a, shifting, a lift and shift of some of our products into, into a, a, AWS as, uh, as is. Um, we have, we have uh, we're fully using uh, AWS uh, managed services uh, in a lot of areas, but uh, we're also running about 7,000 EC2 instances on AWS. About 6 million uh, customers from large enterprises to, um, to SMBs are accessing our applications on the cloud today. So I want to tell you just another minute, and I'm going, I don't want to tell you a story of IoT. And it's my favorite story because it's a story of our most traditional, most uh, iconic products. Uh, we have about one million SMB clients today who are you know, using our postal meters. And they're using it, think about moms and pop shops, think about your dentist office, uh, think about your vet, um, think about a lawyer, like a, a, lot, of, a lot of SMBs uh, using our devices to optimize mailing. Now, we are developing a new generation of the products that are much smarter, they are Android-based, uh, they are not only helping with mailing, they are helping with parcels and shipping optimization. We develop tremendous knowledge about shipping and how to optimize shipping, and we are bringing all this value not only to large enterprises and, and, and retailers, but also to SMBs so they can benefit from it. But while we are doing all this stuff, we also wanted our existing customers, which we have about 700,000 of them, to benefit from the new experiences, to have 
uh, all the benefits that our customers who are having new devices have. So what did we do? And it's kind of an example of where you can innovate. We all think about innovation as developing new products, but you can take something as this has been in, 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 in the field for seven to 10 years, and by adding IoT, which was, in our case, it was a si simple dongle that you just connect to this device, and suddenly this device become uh, fully IoT enabled, streaming data into, um, in, into AWS, uh, you, you, you know, using Kinesis. And, and so now you have ability to deliver to these clients not only simplified experience, you can advise these clients, well, you know they have a problem now, you can send them an email and say, why don't you, like, we noticed that you have a problem, here is, a, here is um, a video that can help you to solve this problem, or we are going to call you and follow up on it. Uh, we can provide personalized insights. We now understand how the clients are using the product, product. We can advise them how they can save money. There is digital experience and digital client connection that we, we were able to, uh, to establish with it. So today, uh, between our new devices and old devices, we have about 130,000 of these postal meters who are streaming data uh, into, uh, into AWS. We are looking at this data in conjunction with all the other data that we have about mailing and shipping, about 100, well, said 15 billion mailing pieces. We have also 350 uh, million of uh, parcel information uh, shipped in, in the United States and, and um, internationally. And now we are looking at all this data and we can actually derive fantastic insights about how to optimize shipping, how, uh, how, to, how our customers can save money, what's the best way to ship it. Data is a fantastic ability for us to create new, uh, new models, new products, and bring the value back to our clients. So um, I kind of, this is just my story. We believe that three things, three pillars are going to propel us even further. The first one is being able to, use, to build the products around um, user experience. The second one is cloud and IoT and APIs. And, and the last one is uh, data and machine learning and AI. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. I know Olga has a, a fabulous story. So I'm hoping you guys will be able to speak to some of the customers too after our, um, after our session. So I also wanted to make sure that you knew that we uh, also just announced uh, this morning um, some new news around linking transactional and IoT data together, especially relevant for SQL and SQL Server. So here what we have is we've got um, the ability to visualize the data that comes in from SQL, to process messages, to gather and to store and to query all of that data, then to visualize it through machine learning and the integration with your Jupyter notebooks that can help you in your IoT area. It will also help you to identify patterns in that data. So much like what uh, Olga was talking about, about identifying patterns in the IoT data that they found, you'll also be able to identify those SQL patterns as you're moving forward as well. Okay, so our last area that I wanted to talk about was around just overall uh, partnerships and creating ecosystems. Um, and I wanna start out by telling you a little story. So I went to India and I tweeted that I was heading over to India. So you know it's a long flight, like 22 hours. 
So I landed, I was really tired, it was 11 p.m. at night, show up at the hotel, and when I'm checking in, the general manager comes over to me and he says, oh, Sandy, there was a group here to meet you, but they got so big, so I put them in a conference room. So I thought, oh, it's my, you know, my team from work, they probably came out, even though it's 11 p.m., I'm gonna go see them and send them home because I wanna go to sleep. So when I went down to the room, I opened the door, and there was all this Bollywood music and people dancing. I'm like, that's definitely not the AWS team. So I closed the door, walked out to the general manager, and I said, Where is this, where's my team? And he goes, oh, no, that's the team. And I'll never forget this because this little gentleman, his name was Anu, he came running up to me, and he said, Sandy, Sandy, how's your one-eyed dog? I have a rescue dog. I said, oh, he's good. Uh, how are your daughters? I'm like, wow, I must know this guy from somewhere. Well, it turns out that he was the president of the social media club of Mumbai. And so when he found out I was coming to town, he tried to get on my calendar. I had no time. So what he decided to do is call the hotel, find out when I was landing to meet me there with a few members of the club. So he sent out a note to the social media club and 250 members of the social media club showed up at the Mumbai hotel, all sitting there in the conference room. They set up a projector and they wanted me to teach them about social media at 11 p.m. at night. So I did, I, I taught them social media. We were there till two in the morning. And I have to tell you, the next day when I got up on stage to give my presentation, um, many of the social media club came. I didn't even have to say a word. I got a standing ovation just for showing up. So why do I tell you this story? Well, building an ecosystem and having that, that team that surrounds you, even though they're not part of your direct team, is really important. And for us, that means leveraging a lot of the partnerships that we have that are out there. So we have a strong set of Microsoft competency partners. We've got a very strong set of SAP competency partners and a very strong set of migration competency partners. These partners are essential as we move forward and essential to the business. They provide services that I think are very valuable to uh, customers. So for instance, there is a brand new service out there from our partner Software One. It's a partner-led Microsoft workload assessment. And what they do is, I think, quite unique. So what, what they do is they go in and they provide a detailed review of your existing software asset license inventory. And then they build and help you build a business case. They target tangible cost savings for you, either looking at the license itself for server consolidation or looking at the infrastructure and helping you to identify different areas of where and how you should do that migration. It's a great first stop for you to kind of look at how do I really move forward with doing something around, um, around migration areas. Now the other area for a partnership is really around the integration with Active Directory. And this is probably one of the top questions that I get, which is how many options do I have to integrate in and run AD on-prem or run AD on AWS? So now you can enable your users to access Microsoft Office 365 with credentials that you can manage in AWS in your managed Microsoft AD. So it makes it easier for you to build a Windows environment into the AWS cloud, to synchronize your Active Directory users into Azure Active Directory, or to use Office 365 without needing to create and manage that AD domain controller as well. So if you haven't seen this new announcement, you should really check out this seamless integration as you move forward. 
Now, Scribs is one of those folks who's using that today. Not only are they a great VMware client, but they're also using and integrating in this Active Directory, using it with, uh, with AWS. So hopefully what you're seeing here is this whole area of uh, continuous innovation, something that we do all the time. And it takes the form of brand new services, capabilities, best practices, and it really means that you're able to get new offerings and get better every day. It's something that's embedded very deep into Amazon's culture. Um, one of the things that we like to say at Amazon is it's always day one, right? You've probably heard that. And that means that we're always innovating. We're always thinking about what can we do better? We are always at the beginning of the journey. We're never at the end of the journey. And what can we do ahead? So as you'll see, we're going to innovate with you, and we're going to try to provide that innovation overall. So this, this is just a sample of some of the innovation that we've done with Windows. You can see how many um, new instance types that we're focused on, how many new AMIs we've developed, how many new ISV listings are in the marketplace. This is an area of true focus of innovation um, for us. And our overall mission is to support every workload, every type of workload, every third-party software, you know, whether it's Windows or Red Hat or Oracle or running the most number of instances, instances with four terabyte of memory requirements on SAP to support HANA. We want to be the best cloud platform to support any of those platforms or workloads and any of the industry workloads that exist out there as well. So what I'd love for you to do as part of the actions, um, the first one is I'd love for you to build an innovation plan to really look at that digital innovation workshop, which will give away one. Do you have a card for me? I think let's hopefully the person's still in the room. Okay, great, thank you. Uh, so Lego, are you in the room? You just won the free innovation workshop. You can come and pick this up at the end of the session. Congratulations. <laughs> Um, secondly, I'd love for you to consider the Rethink credits as you're building your proof of concept or doing your migration. Um, I want you to look at the partners that we have out there. We have included the link to them to help you maybe do an assessment like Software One is. And then look at all the announcements. So I just wanted to show you what we walked through today. Um, these are all the announcements that we went through today. Um, as you look at them, you can see it's pretty impressive the commitment that AWS has to the Windows platform, the SAP platform, the IBM platform, that capability to run every single workload. I hope this was helpful to you. We're really striving to make sure that we're making Windows the best place to run it on AWS as you move forward. I want to thank you for your time. I actually have some Windows t-shirts and some books. My assistant over here, Vanna, or you can call her Leslie, uh, will be right up here. I don't think we have enough to go around to everybody. We've got some books and some t-shirts to give out that say um, AWS loves Windows. Okay, thank you guys so much for your time. And please make sure, I want to thank again my customer speakers. Um, we've got three of them here. If you want to come and talk to them, please do that. Thank you guys very much.